Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm speaking with several technology leaders about Apple, and we are reviewing some of their vintage products from the original iPod to iPhones to the PowerBook to the MacBook Air and beyond. So in this episode, we are discussing Steve Jobs, the smartphone revolution, and the history of personal computing. Welcome back to the Alfie Watton podcast. The Alfie Watton Podcast. Cool. So first up, let's talk about the original iPod first generation. Um, this was released in 2001. Before we um, actually show the product, let's um, show a quick clip of the unveiling um, back when Jobs was here and on stage. There he is um, in its vintage raw footage. Um, that's all I could find given how old these clips are. Audience is going crazy pretty thick but not not really i mean compared to like the zoom or something um but yeah i mean at, at the time people probably didn't realize just how um impactful that sort of moment was going to be in terms of how that could uh, transition the world of music and the world of technology um so that's that that is essentially where it all happened and where the whole music revolution happened um, only five gigs of storage but obviously the um the motto a thousand songs in your pocket um, i'm sure everybody's heard that and that's really what allowed the marketing and the sales hype to to catch on. Um, Tris, you um, have been on the podcast before and uh, we were talking about GPT, we're talking about AI and usually on the show we talk about the future but today we're talking about the past. So let, let, let's, why don't you take us to the past, show us the first iPod and uh, yeah, give us a bit of a description uh, mate about uh, what it entails. Okay so this is the first iPod, five gigabytes of storage, um, firewire connector and it was described as having a packet of um, cards in your pocket. Yeah. So Deck of cards. And yet yeah, this one still works. Wow. Battery and everything. Uh, obviously got a backlight on it. That works. Do you have music on it? I do, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you want to give it a listen. <laughs> yeah, you can, I mean, you can play it. <laughs> yeah. And actually, I'll get copyright strikes. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Completely forgot about that. And you yeah. there's, no, there's no audio out without the headphone jet, right? There's no, no, there's no, no speaker, no, no. which is quite interesting. Thinking about it now, yeah. you know, you could, if it was your phone, you'd just play it but that that wasn't an option and no no airpods obviously you know we have no. to have the old old wire i mean These um, are the old one the proper yeah 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 the the headphones they looked very uh weird i remember the little the little metal bits used to fall off all the time when you um like almost like screwed on um to some degree um one, one thing that obviously is iconic about this one is the the wheel um yeah so how, how, how does that work just bring people back to uh nostalgia memory lane how, how did that work so the, the very first iPod behaves like an old rotary phone. So it actually physically moves, whereas okay. ev immediately afterwards, they're like, this is not a good idea to <laughs> yeah. service these. So, yeah, so original one moves, and after that, they stop that quickly. I never had one of these, but I had the colourful, um, slim one um, a couple of generations afterwards. Was, was that the Nano or something? What, what, yeah, what, something yeah. like that, yeah. Okay, okay, cool. So that's the original iPod. Um, chaps, what, what are your reactions, your thoughts when, when you see this? Uh, D David, let's start with yourself, sir. I guess a little bit shocking the fact that you have to have that cable. Yeah, I haven't seen one of these for I can't remember the last time. Uh, I think back then, compared to what I used to run with with my little CD Walkman. Okay, uh, it used to skip and I don't know. I, I think I've missed a bit of a generation with this one because I went to the one afterwards. But yeah, I remember when it first came out. I thinking, wow, this is this is revolutionary. I did somewhat use a MP3 player, but I managed to break it somehow yeah. when I was trying to upload it. But yeah, I remember thinking, well. It's Apple. It must be good from a user experience perspective. 
I, I always remember my dad telling me a story about a Walkman, how he was on a on a bike ride one day and he had the Walkman here with the cassette tape in it. So this would have even been before the CDs. And he went over a bump and yeah. it just opened and the cassette tape was just flying out and he's just <laughs> cycling off as it smashes into the ground. Um, obviously, you don't have the problem with this because it was like one of the first ever um, music devices which you just downloaded the songs back Absolutely. in iTunes, obviously, was, was what it was called back then. Um, I haven't used that term for a while. I think they just call it Apple Music and Apple Podcasts now. I yeah. think when that very first iteration, there wasn't actually iTunes. They were another company first. Oh, wow. so okay. You had this weird pseudo software, and then like about a year or two later, iTunes came along. So. Interesting. Um, Ian, what's your take when you see the original iPod, sir? Uh, similarly to David, I had a CD man, which <laughs> I used to go jogging. It was a bit of a waste of time, really. You'd jog about five seconds after the cash was burnt, and then you couldn't hear anything without the skipping. So um, moving to, uh, well... A, a solid state. This is a solid state. It's a hard drive. It's here, a mi- isn't it? micro disc. Yeah. So I, I had an iRiver, which I think was solid state. Similarly, I kind of missed it and then went to the Nano. Um, this wasn't iTunes, though. Getting music on this. It's iTunes from around 2002, 2003. But in 2001, they bought another company, and that's. Okay. Because yeah. it, w- it was quite painful it, with all of them compared to now in the sense of getting music on the device. I mean, it, it seemed relatively easy by comparison, but you yeah. had to. Put your CD in, yep. like rip, get your CD content off, unless you bought it directly, but, you know, get the content off, put it on the device. Yeah. So if you set off in your jog and you're like, I haven't got the track I wanted, you have to go. Yeah, it was a, it was a <laughs> Remember to thing. go back, put it on the device. But it's still, you know, incredible as always. And I think we're going to repeat this several times uh, in the show. Um, it was the design. You know, there were yeah. other devices at the time that had bigger hard drives, um, were maybe more flexible. I think the screen was maybe criticised at the time as well for not having a very big display. Yeah. But it di- it didn't stop it because it did everything very well. But it has a backlight on the street. Y- yeah, it does. I'm okay. trying to show you. But I think the interesting thing about the original iPod as well is it's Firewire, yeah. or 400 megabits a second, whereas it would have been 11 megabits with USB 1. Okay. Yeah. So to fill it up, you can fill it up very quickly. Yeah, whereas, it was quick. That's cool. Whereas the Creative Zen and iRiver were quite slow. I, I, so. I used to download from LimeWire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this is a, a not PG story, but um, I remember once um, we had family coming around for I think it was at Christmas or something, and you know I'm, I'm the, the tech kid, so like, hey, get the new uh, Fast and Furious movie for for us. So I go into LimeWire, download Fast and Furious, plug in the HDMI cable, put it on the TV, and let's just say it was um, it was a 18 plus movie called Fast and Furious instead. So that that was part of the challenge that you had back then. You it wasn't like you could go on to uh, Spotify and and in the, you know guarantee the quality of the song or the, or the film. Um, and that was like one of the problems with this. But I, iTunes really transformed that, didn't they? Because they allowed it to, it was like 99p a song or something yep. back then. Yeah. Did you guys ever have to have the CD cassette towers with all, all the music on? Yeah. Yeah. And the and then the car used to have the flip book oh that you'd have the, yeah. at least 100 yeah. CD case. Yeah. And then at some point they all just ended up on the floor in the car anyway. I don't know how, yeah. but those books were pretty useless yeah. to try to scroll through. So this was the transition. This was where it really happened. And uh, alongside this, there was an iconic TV commercial, which I'm going to play on the screen right now. Um, and everybody will remember this. And what I love about this commercial is it doesn't even show the, the, the product. It's just people dancing, the iconic headphones, with the wire, the, the iPod, um, and then different backgrounds, which from a marketing perspective is brilliant because it's just different colors. It's really visual. It just pops and it just keeps you, you stimulated. I mean, this was before 
TikTok. I mean, this was like the the, the pioneers of the thing of, of keeping people hooked and engaged. And um, no no words, no description, not showing, uh, you know, five gig, not showing how many songs. It's just people dancing, having a great time holding the product, um, which was really the genius of Apple's marketing and why it continues to, uh, you know, be the be the leaders in, in that space. Um, what are your thoughts on the um, the, the ad that, that came with that, uh, Tris? What's, what's your take on that? I remember back with these headphones, they were actually a fashion statement at the time. They were. You yeah. easily get mugged as well. Because having black ones this. was like the ugly version, wasn't it? it was, like the yeah. Sony headphones or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's the having blue messages of the day, generally you're going to go get you. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, blue versus green. Um, what, what's your take, David, on the, uh, on the advert itself? I wish I could have danced like that when I was younger, uh, for sure. Um, but yeah, I definitely think it, it sort of created more an expression of freedom yeah. and movement, which is quite... Which was, which was quite new, especially, again, from my generation. I think it was, gosh, must have been about 14 sure. at that time. Yeah. Uh, and before, again, it wasn't ever seen to be expressive like that was a good thing. Mm. You know, we're quite subdued in the way how you could publicly be seen. So, yeah, I, th- I think it was quite a, a, a bold move. It, it, like that, that's a great point because it goes back to the old ad of the um, PC versus Mac, and the PC is like yeah. it's like dressed like Bill Gates, and and then it has a Mac, and it's a guy just just hanging out, and it's like I use a Mac, and that was like the the expression, and and that advert is like a good way of describing that in yeah. in in, in uh, the music sense. Um, but what's your take, Ian, on on that clip, on that advert, on that commercial? It reminded me of a couple of things. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to get it exactly right, but I think the box for the uh, for this device was really um, unique at the time. I don't think they had anything, I'm trying to think if they had anything prior that was similar, but it, it didn't have anything about compatibility, you know, it, it, well, a very reduced amount about compatibility compared to you know, Zoom, iRiver, whatever it might have been, which told you which operating systems, transfer speed, the box was really about the music, was yeah. about the product, was about the experience, which you see again in the ad, and that's consistent and remains consistent today, as you know. Um, and the other thing it reminded me of, and I don't know why, but... Um, was people using these devices for events, for parties. Because yeah. prior to that, you needed a, a proper DJ, you needed some kind of kit. But then this was like, well, I can get this, make a whole play of this for the night, connect it to the speakers, and, and we're done, and we can go. Because <laughs> I'm quite old, and I remember the point at a party where something would finish, and it's like, <laughs> oh, there's silence. People are scrambling <laughs> around, putting the next CD on, choosing it from the flipbook. Yeah, yeah. And this was like, just bosh, and you're yeah. off. I, I remember having a speaker which you it connected, at the bottom, you just like set it on, and and it would just and it was so revolutionary. Yes. Was that a white one? Was it split on both sides, two speakers? It was. On each side? Yes, yeah, yes, I'm trying yes, to think, I'm trying yes, to think what yeah, that yeah. is, but yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, exactly what you're describing is what I had. I, I don't uh, remember the. <laughs> I don't think it was an official Apple one. I think it JB, was just JBL or something. Or? Yeah, something like that. I think it might have been. Yeah, um, yeah, wild. Um, okay, so we had the iPod that transformed music, um, and then we had like even a bigger innovation really with, with the iPhone. Um, and that obviously has created by far the most successful product really in, in, in history. Hey, this podcast is brought to you by weloveAlpha.com. If you're looking to grow and hire and scale your software engineering team in the UK, then go to weloveAlpha.com to hire the best software developers on the market Everything across Java to C Sharp to PHP to Python to React and Angular and mobile and more. Go to welovealpha.com to hire the best software engineers in the UK now. 
So um, we have a couple of iPhones, but let's let's just go right back to the beginning with a clip of um, Steve uh, introducing the OG uh, iPhone on stage. Um, here he is. Um, I should have worn my turtleneck today. Um, and I remember this point. I, I remember watching this where it's going. It's not just a phone. It's not just an internet device. It's not just a music player. You know, do you get it? Everyone starts going crazy, you know, and it is, of course, uh, the iPhone. And Apple reinvents the, the phone. Uh, yes, was uh, was a slogan. Um, obviously, a you know pretty historic day if you if you look back at that that from uh, you know however many years later it has been. But um, the original iPhone um, really set the standard in the respect that it was released in two thousand and seven. Um, it's by far been Apple's most successful product, and it's, it made Apple the largest company in the world in in, in terms of um, you know money. Um, you have um, a sealed original one, Tris, but you have a couple of, you didn't bring that today, but you have a couple of other models today. Can you just tell us a little bit about, about those and about the, the iPhone itself? This is the uh, very first iPhone. So is, is that the original? The very original. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. So you have a sealed one and then you have an unsealed one. Yes. Okay. Yeah, so this is the uh, 2007 iPhone. Uh, still works, okay. I may add. Um, amazing Crazy. battery life. You can leave it turned off for months at a time because there's nothing running in the background. Okay. You can still turn it on again. That's really cool. Um, yes, but yeah, this was um, a device that broke for everything, and I remember having one back in the day. Can I have a look at that? Yeah, of course, I'll pass it over. So with the apps, this was a big innovation, right? The the App Store, obviously. Because um, beforehand, I mean, you, you'd play Snake on a Nokia flip yeah. phone or something. It was, it was nothing compared mm. to this. And this came with a bunch of Apple apps, plus um, it had the... Uh, the developer ecosystem had access to making apps before it was released, so it came with with apps. Or, or, or no, no, not. I think it was a year later. Th th this, oh, really? th this is the interesting story around the first iPhone, and I think the iPod Touch came out at a similar time, but there were no apps on it. In fact, you couldn't change much about that device. Please jump in if I'm wrong, but you couldn't even change the background. Very oh, constrained, wow. and it was actually people jailbreaking the device. That yeah. pushed Apple to bring the App Store to the device. So a lot of people try to think what one of the first apps was that was iPint. Yeah, there, yes. there was a couple of very yeah, trivial yeah. apps, uh, but people were like, "This is great! I want yeah. apps." And Apple really didn't want at that point. I, I think same reason today. You know, they want to manage and control it, which is fair enough. Maybe it just wasn't in their timeline, but they felt that it was going to run away a little bit, and they. Okay. That's my understanding. They were pushed into releasing the App Store. I at loved that point. and there was uh, obviously the early games like Doodle Jump and um, I mean Angry Birds. I mean these are a, a little bit later, right? But um, you had the um, T Pain Auto Tune. That was like one of the the original like apps that really took off. But um, what, what's your take, David, when you see the OG iPhone? What's your what's your, what's your thoughts? Your reactions? And be, be careful. How much is that worth? Is that is, I mean it's not in the box, so probably not a lot. But you'd be surprised. It's a couple of grand. Uh, grand, I think. Grand, okay. So it still looks really good for, yeah, it's meant for yeah. the first one. I actually think from an aesthetic perspective, it looks amazing. I mean, they've still got a couple of the, the features that you expect, like the silence button. I haven't really deviated too much. I mean, they've removed the button now at the bottom, but that was there for so many years. And it took me a bit of time to get used to not having that because just from a user experience. Um, I remember when it first came out, I was skeptical because it just was very limited in what you can do. And at the time, I was working for a telephony company, which was so mainly bulk MMS, SMS. Uh, and no one really predicted the amount of data that these things were going to consume and how they would actually replace traditional messaging within the telephony. So I don't know. I think from that perspective, it brings back memories on how do we actually pivot a company really quickly yeah. within a year or two years to be able to take on a device like this. 
the, the silence button is interesting because they haven't really changed that, but leaks suggest that they will with the next iPhone in that it will be, uh, rather than like a little switch, it will be a, a button which you can use as an action button. Um, and with the volume, that will no longer be two buttons. That will be one long button. And these are obviously rumours, but um, they're coming from uh, from trusted sources. Um, Ian, what's your take when you see the OG iPhone? It is still a great design. It's quite incredible. The icon, I mean, they look dated, yeah. but they they don't they don't look bad. They they haven't aged poorly. It's to, you know it's it's almost like something you can put in a museum, um, and the form factor is quite the same. I can't believe how small it is. <laughs> uh, in my mind, it was about this big, so it's uh, it's much smaller. Um, and I'm trying to think who else had mobile browsing. I know you mentioned BlackBerry when you came, so, yeah. so they did have it, but I just remember yeah, it's for really email. Bad. I mean, that was like the only use yeah. case really of a black of a crackberry. You yeah, know? I remember it being quite a poor experience as well. Whereas this, the mobile experience in this felt f- full. I don't want to get carried away. I, I don't. I don't know what you can open on that, but it, it felt it more low powered rather than entirely constrained. Some sure. of the other ones would just omit yeah. certain features. So I remember the, the big debate about flash and no flash. That was like such a big yeah. thing, wasn't it, back in the day? I remember, um, so, was it, so there was the N95 was the major phone and it had GPS, yes. 3G, I think, as well, and it was obviously a yeah. T9 yeah. configuration. But um, interesting thing, obviously, with that is it was full web browsing. It was a desktop experience. On a phone. Yeah, on a phone, wow. whereas it was WAP sites on the other phone. It was WAP, exactly, yeah. Um, and it's funny you mentioned Flash because when this was released, uh, I was... Uh, working as a flash engineer, maybe a manager in flash engineering, I can't remember, but it was like the worst bit of news. It was just, <laughs> just as I was changing jobs and they basically, ki- they, they killed it, you know, very quickly. I mean, on that, I think, you know, you see the web now, it's very much flashlight, but all closed, you know, all open source, sorry, and, and Adobe missed a trick there. But um, yeah, I think, I think it's been the right thing for consumers overall. The web experience now on mobile yeah. is outstanding. Well, one thing that the iPhone really created was the hype that which I've never seen before on a product in, in history. So we have a clip here of people um, literally uh, sitting and waiting in lines um, for um, the store to open um, for people to be able to purchase this. So this is, a, I think it's in uh, NYC, and it's just lines and lines of people camping, people sleeping, people waiting, people desperate to get their hands on it. And I mean, that's what the events created. It was such a hype. It was such an allure. It was such an attraction to get it, which you didn't see this with Sony. You didn't see this right. with Microsoft. You didn't see this with Dell. Um, so what, what are your thoughts on, I suppose, the hysteria around it all, really? Um, what, what's your take, uh, Dave, David, on, on that? So have you ever read Simon Sinek's Start With The Why? Yeah, it's a classic book. Of, of Absolutely. Yeah, so, yeah. so in there, he really hits the nail on the head that Apple yeah. and Steve Jobs really started with the ambition of the why. Yeah. So what is this that this product's really going to achieve for yeah. you as an individual? And what is the real problem it's going to solve? Um, and in there, he, he really does talk about the early adopters yeah. and the, how they really resonate with the why of a company. So the branding and Steve Jobs, you know, even if it might be another company that had a similar product, they were just so good at hitting that nail on the head. Yes. Um, and I think that was the sort of special ingredient for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Weak companies talk about what it does. You know, good companies talk about how they do it, but but great companies talk about why they do it. And yeah. Apple is, you know, we, we, we believe that the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones that do. If you hear something like that, you're like a thousand songs in your pocket. You're like, yeah, yeah. sign me up. I'm interested. Whereas if you have somebody on, from Sony going on stage saying, here's the specs, here's what it, you know, here's the, here's the technical function, here's what it can do. It's, you know, light years away, aren't they? So I think that the golden circle, the, the start with why that's a, it's a really really good point um what, what's your take tris on the the line on the hype on the enthusiasm behind uh, that apple can create so i think um it's quite interesting you remember i remember queuing up to get the iphone 4 
Did you wait in line to get it? Like, yeah, so I waited in line to get the iPhone 4 for about five hours, six wow. hours. And um, I remember getting it, and then it, it did deliver the hype because it was actually a, a proper, decent camera. Yeah. And that's the thing I think people don't think about with the original iPhone is also it was a camera in your pocket. You could just yes. take those in, yeah. those uh, pictures. But I remember having Sony Walkman phones before that, and each week there'd be a different Sony Walkman phone. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, that was a big thing about Steve, how we, when he came back to the company and they had loads of products, he just killed so many of them and said, look, we're going to do a few things better than anybody else in the world. And rather than trying to do everything poorly, you know, um, specialization, right? And I um, think about the lines that really interested me and I always found funny was there's a clip on YouTube of um, of some kid who, who queued up to, to get an iPhone. And the second he got the first one, the second he opened it, he opened it with so much excitement that it fell out the box and smashed onto the ground. Yeah. It's like the most painful moment ever if you'd wait. For, for days to, to do that um what, what's your take ian on on the hype around the the cues steve and even tim can, can still create what what's your take on that so you know the, the hype was justified i think um as you were saying it's not it's not quite better it's more focused on solving the problem so there were maybe better cameras there were maybe you know faster cpus bigger screens but everything as you already said was about what the consumer, what the user was trying to do with the product. So the camera was good enough to get a good picture and then, you know, post it on the internet or whatever it might have been. So, you know, they just did that so perfectly. Um, you reminded me as well about the um, the attention to detail. So you probably know this story already, but it's quite um, quite an interesting piece about uh, Steve Jobs calling someone from the um, Google design team because okay. the color on the Google Maps icon wasn't quite right. This is like three days before the the announcement. Okay. So like the yellow on, on the O wasn't as it should have been. Not sure if that was not quite on brand or not actually accurate for the Google logo, but either way, he, he called him. The, the head of design was like, is this, is this really Steve Jobs? You know, it's kind of very, <laughs> very odd call. He's like, yeah, you know, can you get me a new icon ready for the launch? And it was just... Yeah. That might seem really minor and really particular, but that's like, you know, all of those things together yeah. are what made a great product. And, and he, he knew that. Um, I, I don't know if that sense of, um, you know, unification is there today. I don't know where the product's going to go. He was obviously a great individual, a, a bit difficult to work with by all counts, but a great individual. So I don't know if Tim holds that and from a design point of view yeah, where they're going to go he's got a different philosophy right he seems to be very into fitness and uh, other areas whereas tim and um uh, steve and like johnny i've they, they were like design was everything and you could see that i, I don't know if you've read uh, steve jobs by walter isaacson but there's some great pictures in that book of steve when he moved into his first house um when he finally became rich and he had this huge mansion and it was just empty no, no furniture it had one lamp from tiffany's he had a bed that he was sleeping on the floor he was worth like 400 million and he mm. his sense of design was so obsessive that he couldn't find a, it took him years to find a sofa that he liked so for years he had no sofa for years he had no tables just because he, he couldn't find one that he liked even in the um you know when he was uh, on his deathbed um he was um taking off the oxygen mask and giving recommendations to the doctor about how it could be designed better so um you know he was obsessed with that from and you could see that in the minimalism in the in the, the buddhist um philosophy that 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 read through it that less is more um so yeah i mean it's not uncommon for google engineers at like 3 a.m to get a call from him to to, to offer suggestions and changes and um, you've got other iphones as well tris with you today can you just tell us a little bit about the other ones that we've got available please so this is the iphone 3g uh, and arguably this is what really started it all because the original iphone was on sale for i think almost less than a year okay uh, and then the iphone 3g came along and that was iphone os 2 
Okay. So it had the app store, so they've moved away from just adding web apps to your home screen. So no iPhone 2? No. No, okay, yeah, because they, they skipped the uh, t- 9 as well to go straight to the 10 for the yeah. anniversary. So they, they've got a, a liberal sense with numbers, really, don't they? It was particularly targeted at the uh, change in the to 3G, because yeah. I think the yeah. first one was 2.5G, Edge. So this would be Edge, uh, yeah. and then be referred to as 2G, and then the 3G, they really marketed it as a 3G phone, because 3G was obviously new then. Okay. And it also included GPS, so for the first time you could find your way around on the maps. Without so you had you. Google Maps on it? Had Google Maps, yeah. yeah. The first one had Google Maps, but it was based on cellular positioning, or because I'm sure they it had it. Or LBS. Wi-Fi triangulation. services, right? Yeah. 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 But um, and, and it seemed to work pretty well, so I don't, I don't know. Anyway, they've, they've always been quite good on that. So what I remember is um, I had the original iPhone, and then the first week of university when I started, this had just come out, and I got it. Actually, finding where you are on the map, yeah, GPS, yeah. here's where I am, and figuring it out was just a game changer. I think it used Wi-Fi triangulation before, so it could be kind of hit or miss. If you're in the yeah. countryside, you're, there's yeah. no Wi-Fi to yeah. triangulate you. So yeah. You're in a lot of trouble. Um, but yeah, um, Google Maps shipped as a um, sister map for the first five years, I believe. So it was okay. and a game changer. So yeah. So do we have do we have any more iPhones, or have you got... Um, yeah, I bought these two for now, because I thought they were kind of... Do you have an iPhone way. in your pocket, like a one that you're using day-to-day? Yeah. Because you, you've always got the latest, uh, so is this the newest? This is the 13. I've not upgraded yet. I'm okay. waiting for the 15. What have I got? I've got like the, is that a 10 or 11 or something? Yeah. Yeah. So if you yeah. look, the size difference between the, these. So yeah, show, show the size of un- this Unbelievable. Okay. Yeah. See, the, the, the maximum size is the same as the, the largest iPhone now, and then these are the sizes. It's absolutely wild. That's insane. Also, yeah. if you hold one of these up to an original Game Boy, original Game Boy is about the size of this phone. So it's, it's much crazy. more chunkier. I much more chunkier, yeah. Uh, the so. Google just released um, like two days ago the, the Pixel Fold, I think they're calling it. Um, and it, it, there's a trend from like the original iPhone to the Google Fold, which can become a tablet, essentially. They're just getting bigger and bigger, aren't they, the phones? And I, I think we've reached the optimum point where I don't see it getting any bigger in terms of what you can hold in your hand like this. But there is, seems to be a folding mechanism which which is going to you know turn it into a, into a tablet, which poses an interesting question, right? Because folding phones seem to be like, like something that people didn't really, like a, a gimmick a couple of years ago. We had all the cracks in the screens. Yep. Um, but now that Google are getting into it, are we going to see an iPhone that can fold? Um, what do you think, Tris? Because you, you're the Apple guy. I think it's quite interesting. I mean, I've um, seen the um, Google product unveil for the Pixel Fold. Yeah. And the biggest thing that struck me was the price. How, how much was it? It's uh, £1,800. Okay, pounds. that's pretty pricey. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that is a quite a high-end... <laughs> Yeah. foldable phone price and i remember when the original iphone came out it was 300 pounds on contract oh wow okay we locked into a one-year wow. contract so that's, that's very cheap yeah. it's very cheap like looking back at it but apple have over the years normalized it so with the iphone x it was a thousand pounds with this phone you know it's 1100 and it's progressively getting more and i, I think it's astonishing you know yeah they're normalizing that price especially on a google phone as well yeah, yeah. You know, so do you chaps see a folding iPhone being a thing? If you had to do guesstimates, do you, do you think that's uh, out of the question, or, or do you think it could be, could happen? What do you What do you think? It's an interesting question. I'm going to say no. Okay. Yeah, I I, I don't think they'd particularly want to distract you away from their iPads. Yeah. Or the tablets that they might have. Maybe because that is kind of a tablet killer in some respects, isn't it? You know, why yeah. would why would you need that if you have a phone that can do two in one? What do you think? Yeah. It's interesting. I actually watched an interview with Pitchar, Mr. Who's the Beast, was was interviewing Pitchar, and um, he was talking about folding the Pixel and the fact that folding phones 
even he, I mean, it was interesting. I don't know if it was a good idea in reviewing this. He's got an 800 pound phone out, but um, that the folding phone is an intermediary. You know, we where are we going to be in three, five years' time in terms of interfaces? But they do need to get bigger. I, I think the tablet, even though the iPad has been a great success, I, I don't think they've continued to have growth. I mean, maybe you can tell me, but I, I, I think it's very limited to particular use cases because mm. you've got a laptop, you've got a phone taking a tablet out with you as well is a bit of a pain in yeah. the ass. So I mean, they've done the iPod, iPad Pro, haven't they? And one, yeah. one interesting thing is they've just put um, Final Cut Pro um, onto it. So the device for consumption, is, which you know you use it for watching video and playing games, is now becoming the device for creation. And you are going to be able to start you know, with a yeah. pencil and everything and making art, making movies. Um, but yeah, I mean, iPads, are they continuing to be made and grow? Or is it, or are people focusing more on the other side? And I think with the um, original, well, not the original iPad, but iPad 2 onwards, I think uh, they did too good a job because yeah. they don't die. You know, mm. they're good for a thousand cycles at least. Mm. And you find, you know, your grand still got her iPad from five years ago and it keeps yeah. working. So then the opportunity to sell someone a new iPad is diminished. Yeah. Um, I haven't really seen the software evolve. I think mm. the software is the main problem with the iPad. It hasn't, in my opinion, hasn't really changed since the original iPad and yeah. it's kind of a bigger iPhone still it's yeah. not kind of grown into its own product and from Google um, tablet perspective they've just kind of followed suit yeah so yeah it's interesting the we, have, we don't have any iPads today do we uh, no, no, no no but l- let's look at even earlier right so we have um the Wall Street, the PowerBook G3, the, uh, the, the the brick itself. So this is from <laughs> 98. Um, let me show the, uh, I couldn't actually find um, a uh, Jobs clip. I'm not sure if he revealed this on stage or if the footage has just been lost. Oh, actually, that was a G4. This, we do have a clip, actually, of this one. So this is um, Jobs, not in the black turtleneck he's gone uh, he's gone for more business uh, look in, in this clip but there he is talking about the uh, the new uh, new powerbook g3 uh, the word new and seeing that is uh, with grainy footage is interesting um and that was him revealing it on stage at the uh, the conference um tris can you tell us a little bit about the the g3 please so the g3 is a fascinating laptop because it's a complete departure from where apple are now so instead of you know two ports on your laptop you've got about a million ports. So I'll show you some of the tricks this laptop has. So the idea of it being a Wall Street laptop was that you could get on a plane, mm. perhaps Concord at the time or something, yeah. and you could switch out the expansion bay so you could have two batteries if you wanted it to last nine hours and last over a long, long haul flight. Or in this case, you could say, actually, I want a zip drive. I don't know if there's these. So. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. yeah, yeah. I love the disc that you get in the zip drive as well. Yeah, zip drive, floppy drive, you could change that out. And then this one was the, the very first... <laughs> look at that thing. Yeah. And then the it was the very first laptop to have a DVD-ROM drive. Oh, wow. Yeah, I haven't so. seen a DVD uh, thing in a long time. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. DVD drive. So you can play movies by yeah. putting in a CD disc. Um, but the DVD as well, it wasn't. It was so intense on this computer that it had to have an expansion card to give it more video RAM to actually okay. be able to do that. Um, but yeah, it ports all over it. So obviously you got... Uh, PC expansion cards here, Ethernet. So uh, it's got about a million ports. I'm trying to hold that to the yeah. camera. It has <laughs> a famous rainbow Apple logo as well. Yeah. Which we don't see anymore, do we? No, no, we don't see the rainbow. I think they should bring it back. It's quite cool. But um, what's also interesting is the Apple logo is the wrong way up because they ah, just because yeah, it wasn't yeah. trying oh, to yeah. a status symbol at the time. It was just a laptop. Sure. So um, that's upside down, uh, rainbow Apple logo. Um, quite, yeah. And also it's 
Apple's kind of foray into kind of product placement because um, a lot of TV shows, famous films, if you think of Independence Day or Sex in the City, they had this laptop. Well, it was on. known as the Sex in the City laptop, right? That yeah, was, yeah, yeah. And, and another thing about it was that it was, a f- correct me if I'm wrong, but it was the first black laptop that, that Apple did. Um, well, I guess they did kind of this sort of matte black laptops, but um, they did yeah. the first proper laptop, I think it was 2007. But yeah, it's um, fascinating to see this laptop. Um, obviously runs Mac OS 9, okay. which is prehistoric <laughs> these days. So. So, so this was in 98. This was um, when they released the PowerBooks, they were generally considered as, as the fastest laptops in the world during during the lifespan, at least. Um, what, what are your thoughts um Ian, on on this, you know, compared to what we have today, I mean, you have one in your in your uh, your bag, you know, the, the the latest and greatest. But what are your thoughts on this product and the innovation? It's a massive nostalgia rush. I, I love the font as well, so the logo and the yeah. font. There's some great stuff on Apple there. Great at fonts. That was yeah, like one of their absolutely videos. beautiful font, and and the OS looks great. Um, it, what's interesting because I'm a bit frustrated that I didn't look it up. Um, Steve Jobs in a shirt uh, and jacket there. This being a business laptop, uh, I, I wonder if what his ownership uh, like was in in the business. That, that's a really good point. So, so this obviously was one of the final evolutions of this style of laptop. But it started off in '97 when he would have just come back to Apple. Exactly. So this was not a colourful laptop. Well, the, it was very much business. And this doesn't feel like Steve. You know, I can imagine. You know, he's just come back. I, I don't know what the position is, but he's maybe not in a position of power. The laptop was already, you know, on the roadmaps that needed to be built, and, it, and yeah. it's like, you know, this is probably not what he wants to do. That uh, is what he has to do. Like Steve Jobs, does it when you when you look at it? No, and that that kind of fits fits with the shirt and the jacket. So, um, obviously, it's powerful. But that's talking, as we said before, with the iPod about you know metrics, not really the use case. Although you have got you know, you put the batteries in, you can go on the business trip. Yeah. Um, Pricing wise, this was a very expensive laptop as well. Yeah, this this would be more than. Four or five thousand pounds. Oh, wow. So it's, it's not a consumer device. Um, I mean, we'll get onto that with the other ones, but they, um, you know, started to find more of a middle ground where they're providing good devices that most people, or certainly most professionals, could afford. Yeah. What, what's your take, David, on on the G3? Initially, I mean, we just bought Lenovo ThinkPads okay. for our company, and they yeah. they don't look too dissimilar uh, to what this looks like now. So even even though it was aimed at business, I think from a design perspective, they were they were definitely onto something. Uh, I think in the design-wise, it's weird for me because I never saw one of these. I think I was 12 when these came out, so I was definitely not thinking in a business mindset. Um, I've always associated Apple MacBooks or any type of device to always have the trackpad because to me that was always like the defining feature even on user experience. So for me, it's quite weird to see one of these without it. And yeah, I think you're right from Steve Jobs' perspective, obviously trying to sell to an audience. Um, one of the things I did read up is that this was a partnership as well with IBM on the chipset, right? So it, it doesn't sound like they had all that much autonomy or choice to try and get this thing out to market in terms of actually trying to to get to the demands of what you know what the demands of these types of laptops would have been used for. It, it looks like an IBM computer, right? It does. I mean, it's an IBM chip, and it's obviously yeah. got PowerPC branding at the top there, and yeah. you know yeah. it's. Um, bygone era i think this was steve jobs coming in and going what are you doing yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's just get this out and then i can get on with what yeah. i want to do hello super quick video just to say i would love to give you a free copy of my new report how to hire top software engineers
So my team has surveyed almost 5,000 software engineers across the United Kingdom and their responses reveal simple steps which you can take to hire the best software developers on the market. This report is essential reading for all technology leaders across the UK. Just scan the QR code on the screen to download your free copy now or go to welovealpha.com forward slash hiring insights to download your free PDF. This is a, an ad for the G3 and it was showing how, um, maybe Tris, you can probably provide more context on the meaning, but I believe it was like showing like it was thinner or it was like steamrolling the competition or... So that, that's a ThinkPad in the video and it's just going over all the PC laptops showing how they're okay. obsolete. So he's, <laughs> he's crushing the competition literally. Yeah. And then, uh, but showing on a screen, like you can watch that. Like on uh, on the yeah. G3, the new PowerBook, yeah. So, what what are your um? And then think different. The Apple logo, obviously, the Apple motto coming up, which um uh, goes back to what we were talking about with the iPod or the iPhone, in that it doesn't necessarily need to be better; it needs to be different, and that's how they market it, and that's how they get the hype going. Um, what what are your thoughts, Tris, on on that ad? And I suppose the um the connection between like the white background in the ad and how they've continued that on throughout every single advert. Because the minute that you see an Apple advert, within two seconds, you know it's an Apple advert because they have the white floor, the white ceiling, the white space. It's like like that scene out the Matrix where he takes the pill and then he's in the uh, left of the universe. Apple world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe uh, Neo is uh, his jobs or something. Or uh, yeah, but what are your thoughts on the advert? I think it's um, it's fascinating because if you look at it, the the original laptop, Steve Jobs, when he came back, he wanted to rebrand. That was his first priority. And the Think Different campaign came out in 1997. And when he did that, what he was trying to do is, it's like, look at who's my actual audience. And it was always the creatives. It's all these people that were disrupting the industry. So he marketed at them and he had Albert Einstein and other famous, um, Jim Henderson and other famous people in posters. And that was their marketing campaign to kind of yeah. reboot things. Originally, they did the um, the Think Different, you know, here's to the crazy ones um, uh, clip with Steve Jobs' voice rather than uh, somebody else's voice. But they ended up using somebody else's voice, the voiceover, just because it, Steve didn't want it to be like the ego show, like he's come back and here's, here's what we're doing. But that's like the most iconic advert ever, like here's to the crazy ones and the misfits, the rebels. I won't quote the whole thing. I'll sound like, a, yeah. like an absolute nerd. But um, what, what, what's your take, Ian, on um, the the clip to the uh, the advert, the commercial and, and that sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, it's it's very it's very bold, isn't it? It's taking on the competition, and he's always done that. He's continued to do that in the sense of uh, explicitly or kind of surreptitiously call out how it's better than than the competition. Maybe not as brutally uh, as in this video. Um, it's still, although it's kind of his campaign, it, st it still feels misfitting, like you say. Um, creatives, I don't Wall Street. That's, that's I don't want to be dismissive of anyone on Wall Street, but it's generally not seen as a creative industry. So very interested to know, um, like, yeah, what what the struggles were like internally for positioning that, and what the sales figures were like. Do you do you know if they sold well? Uh, I don't think they did. I mean, the main reason I brought the Wall Street today is because such a contrast to the products that. Followed, yeah, absolutely. You know? yeah. So it wouldn't have been a great seller. Um, it wouldn't look that different from a ThinkPad of the yeah. day. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. even though there was a steamroller going over them, but I think it was Apple trying to market themselves as different before they had the products to back that yeah. up yeah, yeah. yeah. So. and maybe yeah. positioning that they they can do you know powerful devices because they they have continued to fall with powerful devices and then even to today where they've got a chipset which outperforms yeah. in many use cases especially on the creative side so 
maybe it was um, a line in the sand for that. What, what's your thoughts, David, on the advert? Definitely a good way to catch attention. Yeah. Especially when everything does look the same. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, I think it's just a bold move. Yeah. I think if you did go in with a plain advert, say like, hey, here's a, here's a new sort of device that you can use, it wouldn't have really sold to the masses. And I think he's also really stroking the egos of his target audience. You know, they want to be seen with the best. If it is expensive, they want to walk around with an expensive laptop. You know, it's like it's a power statement. Yeah, that's true. The the successor to the G3 was the, the G4, um, which was released in 2001. Um, here is uh, a short video um, of the uh, the product when it was released. This is the one where I couldn't find the stage clip. I'm not sure if it was on stage or if it was just the advert, but it was showing the two sizes um, and obviously the iconic earth on the screen, which is still used uh, today um, as, uh, as, as wallpapers. I think I actually have that as my, my wallpaper um, at the moment. Let me just... Uh just check we we do well we have a, a a another version of that picture but um that seems to be like the most popular desktop uh, in in the world and apple really started to kick off that iconic look um tris tell us a little bit about the g4 show us the products please and uh, yeah give us give us your perspective so this is uh aluminium anodized aluminium sorry you're quite right <laughs> Um, but this is interesting because um, this is Apple kind of moving into being the cool laptop, the mainstream laptop, the consumer laptop. Yeah. So there are many iterations of this, but I chose to pick the 12-inch one because that's kind of the fan favorite. And with that, it's uh, tiny by <laughs> comparison, but this was kind of the first arch ultra portable they were doing. And if you look, obviously, there was no compromises for this. So if you look on the side, the number of ports. Yeah. <laughs> on both sides, or a CD drive on the other one. Um, this was a fascinating laptop because obviously their marketing campaign was a ginormous 17-inch laptop. Yes. And they've got the 12-inch the version here. And also you see it's the la one of the last laptops without a webcam built in. Okay. Okay, interesting. Because that kind of came later on. And uh, It was the first 17-inch laptop, full stop, or just from Apple? Um, I mean, there were other ones at the time, but it was the first nice-looking one. Okay, okay. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um so um yeah so 12 inch laptop this was the go-to laptop and also kind of um from a tech perspective encouraged people more that were programmers to come to apple because yep. prior to that people weren't really using g3 laptops for programming right. so but when i think of apple i mean that's what i think of the the, the white you know the macbook style laptop with the the white logo and i don't think of this thing i think of the g4 i think of the macbook air the macbook pro um yeah. Well, what's your uh, take, David, when you see um, the, the product? What, what, what's your it's point It was you? definitely a step into Steve Jobs. Yeah, it's got Steve Jobs written all over it, hasn't it? Absolutely, the, the simplicity. I think he's, it was also a sort of bold move to start steering people to not worrying about how things work under the hood. The things, from a user experience perspective, should just be really simple. Uh, I don't know if this is something that was new, because uh, I remember my first laptop didn't have it. Just the, the ability to put in a CD and it automatically gets sort of sucked in. I still had CD drawers. Slot loading, yeah. 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 So I never I never had that before. I wasn't sure if it was on, on this model or not. Um, looking at it, you know, the, the flat screen as well, the, the thinness of it compared to its predecessor, it's also distinguishable. Uh, I think overall it just looks like a very nice, neat product. It still looks like it's relevant for today. It, it looks like a big jump, doesn't it, between the two of these, yeah. even though it's only one model different. Um, handful of years difference you know, yeah, it's not really that's it. what, yeah. what's your view um, Ian, on the product there's a few uh, interesting things about this um, I think it was the first time they'd done a bat has that got a backlit keyboard uh, yes I believe yeah. it does oh, yes. wow, really? uh, yeah. and which you still have today so that you know yeah, they, yeah. that was the first time they came out with that which seems a bit 
excessive at times but then there are other times when i'm very grateful for my backlit keyboard Jimmy, a low lit room or i'm in a cafe or I'm in an airport whatever it might be and it's like that's fantastic and then similarly the way the screen was backlit was was different i don't um anyway there were two big things that came out with this device um interestingly around the cd port if you look at it and i, I don't know on the g3 is there a button to eject the cd yeah, so this one's a, the G3 is trayload, um, but also, I mean, Apple have decided you definitely need a CD drive to start ripping discs because the the disc drives yeah. take it out. So. Yeah. Right, right. The beast. So what um, the design decision on um, also the the desktops? I can't remember the name of the desktop, but, but the Apple desktop and and that G4 to not have an eject button on the CD drive yeah. um, or a separate eject button, similarly on the floppy disk drives as well, actually physical eject that would pull it out, yeah. um, was based on a piece of UX design around software use. So a common thing you had with Windows machines, if you ever use one with a floppy disk, which I did, is you could be working on a file that was on the floppy disk. You could eject the floppy disk, keep working on the file, and then go to save, and it would be like, "Where's the disc?" Mm, yep. You'd be like, "Oh, I've taken it out," and and you were in a you were in a kind of an unrecoverable error. Yeah. So they looked at things like this from a design point of view, and they said, "Well, don't let them put out the disc. Instead, when you do it via the UI, it then says, "Hey, there's this software open. It's currently using the disc. What would you like to do about it right now?" Mm. So it's just such a nice. And the principle was, uh, from a usability point of view, how do we just get rid of errors? Not not yep. tell people about them, not make them easy to deal with, just remove them entirely. So you can't put yourself in that situation. Yeah. Um, and I think the charge board, I'm not sure what charge board that is actually. So that's, uh, circular. that's just before um, MagSafe came exactly. into being. Into being yeah. It was a great example of, you know, we're not make it cheaper to replace it. It would just stop you from being able to, you know, rip out the charging part of your of your laptop. So to remove those problems. So very, very, very interesting. Interesting to see that the G3 did have an eject in it as well. So, yeah. The, the advert that went alongside this product is one of the Apple's most uh, iconic. And it's uh, showing um, uh, Mini-Me from Austin Powers. And I can never remember his name, but he's a Chinese basketballer, I believe. Yep. Um, and uh, obviously super, super tall guy. Um, in contrast to, to Mini Me, um, and they have uh, both models: the um, the twelve and uh, was it seventeen? Yeah, uh, twelve, fifteen, and seventeen. Okay, I mean, well, this would have been twelve and seventeen, I believe. Yeah. And it's showing them both on a plane, like like you um, you said, you can use it on a plane and just put it on your lap. Um, and uh, there's a, a size for everybody, I, I suppose, of, of the, uh, the the laptop, and I, quite quite fun, like like. Um, you know, a bit of a different Apple advert. You know, it's not their typical, you know, white room environment, but um, still being different. And, you know, like Microsoft weren't going to make an advert like, like that, were they? Were, were no. That's like pushing the status quo. Um, but yeah, what, what, what what's your thoughts, David, when you see that that, that clip? Uh, definitely targeting an extreme audience. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that's my first takeaway. Yeah. But I just remember watching that advert many, 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 many years ago. I didn't understand it. I, did, I didn't. I didn't know what this was at the time. Yeah. Um, but I do remember thinking, "Wow, it's cool advert," and that you know, you can see these two contrast completely, and actually, it was something that unified them. Yeah. Well, it really shows a size difference. I mean, li- literally, in, in in that respect. Um, Ian, what's your take on on the clip? It's interesting you saying that. You know, I didn't understand them. You know, as a software engineer, to me, the ad was like, "What? What's the specs? Oh, I want to know how fast <laughs> it goes." Yeah, yeah. Which was not the point, the and and, and not care. not important. Yeah. yeah. Um. So for. And the way that it counted, it really told the message, which is you can get a really nice big screen yeah. uh, or you can get a small screen on this device and just pick the one which works for you. And I, I think um, they were essentially the same spec. There might have been some variant you could choose, maybe some different things. But a lot of other 
laptop manufacturers if you had the bigger one that for you know that was the only way you could get the faster chip or, or yeah. the more memory and it's like well no i want the same functionality but i just want a different form factor which was interesting again from a design point of view yeah well, what's your thoughts on the advertress I, I completely agree with you it's no compromise is it if you want yeah. a small laptop you can just chuck in your bag and you go on a plane yeah you can do um, video editing or photos or whatever you can take the 12 inch and also 17 inch you can have your whole work experience with you yeah, yeah. you know so yeah no compromises did, yeah. did they actually allow you to customize these back then when was that what what so was that part of the one one in front of you is from 2005 so one of the last power pc laptops um, but yes, this would have been a max spec, so one and a half gigahertz, which was a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then the 17-inch would be up to 1.67, so not much difference. But um, yeah, again, this one has a DVD rewriter in it. That was an option. Mm. Choose more RAM, more hard disk. But um, from friends that have worked at Apple, they said this is the worst laptop to service <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> because you, everything's miniaturized in there. So. Oh, wow. Well, one of the things about Apple was that you couldn't... You had to buy special tools if you wanted to open them, right? I mean, it wasn't like, you know, a Microsoft where you could get a screwdriver and uh, and open up, you know, a Dell laptop or something, um, which really just speaks to their, their ethos, their, their, their closed wall garden. And it goes back to a point that you were making a second ago, David, that most people will accept that if they can package it in a way that it's it's like perfect to use and it's yep. like it's like like right for the end user um rather than mo- most people don't want to mess around like like we would and, and and tinker and change and 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 you know um change it so it really speaks to the philosophy of of apple in many respects um the evolution of this what was the macbook directly after the g3 then yeah so um so as part of the transition to Intel, um, Apple rebranded it as just MacBook. Okay, okay. So, so this is the this is the original MacBook that you have here. No, so this is the original MacBook Air. Okay, mm. okay. So, okay. So, okay. Yeah. so this was released in two thousand and eight. Um, yeah. It was obviously uh, famous for being taken out of the um, Manila envelope. Um, I'm sure everybody will remember that moment. Um, we'll show it on the screen at the moment for people um, listening. Um, and in the classic Steve showmanship style, like how he take took the um, the iPod or the iPhone out of that top pocket, um, you know, to show how small it was. He's taking it out of the Manila envelope to showing how thin it is as well, um, which I think is is really a great um, presentation thing, if anything else. And then just holding up and showing the the, the thinness of of the product. Um, well, why don't you tell us, Tris and show us a little bit about the, the MacBook Air. Sure. So this is the very first MacBook Air, the same one that Steve Jobs would have demoed. Um, the one that he held on to, the, the original one? The original, very original <laughs> one. Yeah, well, not the exact one. But um, um, but yeah, it's, um, this is a 2008 MacBook Air, and I remember seeing it for the first time and not believing that it was a real laptop. Um, and this is also very special because it's um, one with a... Um, See, it's better not holding its battery. Um, this is one that has the solid state disk option, mm. which in 2008 was just crazy. So mm, you would have yeah. had to spend an extra thousand pounds to get 64 gig of solid state storage. Yeah. And uh, just a game changer. If you look, there's complete elimination of ports. Uh, any ports that are there are on this little flap. Wow. Yeah. On the yeah. side, you've got MagSafe. And going back to these original laptops we've looked at, a major um, key feature was wireless. Yeah. Did you, was the hoop, was this the one where you put the hoop through it to show so that the, the Wi-Fi was working? So the hoop was the, the iBook G hoop. I didn't bring one of those with me today, but um, that was the first time you could choose an option of wireless. Okay. And then over the iterations, they decided we definitely want wireless. And then this laptop was like, well, we don't want disk drives. We want you to share your drive over the network and everything yep. else. It's complete elimination of everything. And uh, if you look at it now, you can't really tell that this is a... Um, 
you know, 14, 15 year old laptop. No, so, no, yeah. no. It's the, the, they've made it hard to get thinner, haven't they? If anything, they've got yeah. thicker. I mean, this is this is released like last year or the year before, and this is probably thicker, or if not the same as. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's more powerful, but it's uh, yeah. you know, they've kind of come to a realization that they don't need to make it thinner anymore. I mean, if it can, if it can fit in a Manila envelope, then Good surely enough. just make it a little bit bigger and more more, more powerful. Can we hold that yeah. up in comparison to the? Uh, yeah, of course. Or just because this is like the best visual way of um, describing the thing. Maybe. Stick it on top, maybe. Yeah, yeah, and then put them back and then hold it up together, maybe. Yeah. So, um, first of all, the MacBook Air is thinner than the entire display assembly. Oh, wow. Laptop, so. so, even the screen is bigger than the uh, the, the whole thing. There's no grace to this, is there? So. <laughs> yeah, so just finish that. And then if you look at the laptop side by side, you know, it's... It's probably it's three or four of these laptops fixed. It's insane. So, yeah. and then, you know, not in the space of a decade. Yeah. So. Wow. Just one decade. One decade. That's insane. Um, okay. What, what, what are your thoughts, Ian, on the, the MacBook Air, the clip that we showed, the evolution of the product? What, what, what are your thoughts on it? Um, yeah, it's incredible how much it, it, how similar it looks to current MacBook Airs. It's quite, quite a bit heavier than I thought and remember, actually. Um, this. Is this a first edition or second edition 2008? Because there is an important change that happened. Yeah, so this is the very first one. It's got a micro DVI port. It's very what was okay. the change? Well, the, 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 this was a pretty bad laptop in, in many ways. It um, didn't really have proper cooling for the CPU. It didn't really have a graphics card either or not okay. a decent one. So it got and really hot. Got really hot, disabled the cores, and just basically incredibly slow um, That when it was running. Um, so they released another one very soon after. It was like six months after, after where they improved it, just ever so slightly, but enough to make it to the point where it was functionally accurate and the kind of game change they were going for because I think arguably this one probably didn't do what you wanted mm. um, it was also controversial because it was one of the first times that they'd fixed the battery in place so on these laptops you could replace the battery you take the battery out in fact okay. for a while on the pros I think you could take the battery out yeah the first generation yeah um, and uh, this you couldn't obviously they needed to do that for design reasons but it was somewhat controversial so yeah very interesting device I, I <laughs> It was more setting the basis for what was to come, I think, rather than a great device on its own. Yeah. Interesting as it was. Yeah. What's your take on the uh, MacBook Air? So, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, is this one of the first times they switched to Intel chips? And they also, I think with this one specifically, they were using the Duo too? Yes, yeah, so this would have been a very low powered, as you said, yeah. not very good um, core two duo chip. Um, yeah. But yeah, they switched in 2006 and this is 2008. So okay. And then, in. but they also worked with Intel to shrink it completely down. I think it was something like 50 or 60% area. Yeah. I think that's this laptop. But again, this laptop's kind of ID interface, bodges all over the place in terms of the board. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, not the and best. And then I think the other thing that Apple is just really good at is making people love a product but hate it at the same time in terms yes. of getting people very uncomfortable. Yes. Removing of the ports. You know, they, they did that with things like the audio jack, getting people to get used to new trends. Mm. So yeah. they particularly are good at making people excited but also very uncomfortable at the same time. What's next with that will be wireless charging. I don't think the new iPhones will have a, an area to do wired charging. I think it will be exclusively wireless if I had to make a prediction. Um, which they, they I remember when they did the uh, AirPod 
thing they said it was courage it was about being brave it was innovation and people they got mocked for a bit but you're right yeah. it's, it's controversial they, they, they innovate by by force by making people you know it, you, you need to buy this product in order for this product to work yeah. um which it does it does work yeah know? absolutely and i think that again from a design perspective they haven't deviated that much in the last decade really um yeah. if you look at the user experience the even the look and the feel of the metal it hasn't changed that much yeah. Um, Since Steve died, it kind of hasn't really uh, changed too much, has it? No. Uh, and then, yeah, I think even from looking at the OS, well, when, when it was on, yeah. um, it still looked really good in terms of it didn't look dated. Yeah, I mean, it could do with a bit of a polish, but even today's standards, Mac OS hasn't really changed at all. No. I've always preferred the uh, the OS of of Mac to uh, Microsoft, and um, I think most creatives would would agree with me. The the advert for the product was basically the same as what was done on the stage. I think that moment was so iconic that they couldn't. Um, I mean, there would be no point trying to make anything else. I think the Manila envelope was just like the way to show off the product and just literally put it on top. I mean, there's not many companies that would make an advert of them taking something out of a of an envelope. And just showing it on the screen, and I think that that backdrop there, that desktop again, is one of the more iconic desktop, um, the world's finest notebook. So they were calling it a notebook uh, back then. I mean, there's lots of interesting things about that ad. I think one of the other things as well is those envelopes. I tried to get one for this uh, this recording. It's actually quite difficult because <laughs> oh, really? the actual idea of you know everything's digitized now. You've got Google Docs. All these things have come out of nowhere over that, that last decade. So yeah, it's amazing. What, what are your thoughts, uh, David, on, on the advert on Apple's style of, of marketing? I mean, there seems to be a theme throughout the clips that we've showed in, in, in the simplicity of them. But what, what do you think when you see that clip? Yeah, again, just you know, trying to get people's attention. Yeah. It's not something you would normally want to do, but uh, your, your notebook or something in an envelope. Yeah. Like, that's not even something you would even think of. Um, yeah, again, just grabbing attention. I think it makes it really relatable for people. Because, yeah. again, they subconsciously I would think okay I'll be putting a few pieces of A4 piece of paper in that envelope and it's light and I'll have the connotation in my mind as to what it means but yeah that's what I think it, it instantly hits you right you're like yeah this is this is different you know you yeah. can th I can't put this in an envelope I mean it would yeah. it would rip the thing at the seams um wh what's your take Ian on, on that clip uh, yeah, I mean, um, obviously, I don't think many people were carrying it around an envelope, but it really told the story because at the time if you did have something like even the G4, you often had it plugged in because um, it was maybe a bit more powerful. I mean, I know there's a kind of challenge there with it, but um, carding it around, you know, I can remember having a laptop bag and I'd have to pile a load of cables in and loads of other stuff. And it, it was just, and because it wasn't designed with wireless in mind, you'd have to have like your zip drive or whatever it might be. So it wasn't really a laptop. It was more of a portable desktop computer. And this was, I mean, you know, referred to a notebook, which is kind of a dead term now, but this was a laptop. You know, this yeah. was something you could take, sit in the cafe, do your work on it, nothing else needed. Yeah. Um, and that 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 was the kind of game changing piece, I think. And and for me, that ad, frustrating as it is, you don't see stuff. It does tell that story. It's like this is it. This is this is all you need. You don't you don't need the other stuff. It it, it tells the story better than words could do. Just yeah. just the visual thing of here it is. Exactly. Yeah. It's sim yeah. similar to the dancing uh, iPod um, yes. ad in some ways. Yeah, yeah. Just as iconic in, in many respects as well. Um, cool. Have you got anything else, or is that are we appled out? I think we're a bit appled out, but I mean, it's also it's interesting with the laptop because when the MacBook Air came out, it was incredibly expensive. How so much was it? This spec would have been about three thousand pounds. Okay. And now the MacBook Air is the cheap laptop. Yeah. You you buy you know your son or daughter to go to school with. Yes. 
and yeah. it's just complete reversal of that. So yeah. build up the design with the crazy adverts and then segue into the cheaper products. I think it's a genius strategy. So cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, look, thanks for sharing some history with us, Tris. Um, yeah, amazing. Most episodes are about the future. Um, we talk about AI and blockchain and VR and the the metaverse and all of that stuff, right? Um, but uh, it was interesting to look back, I suppose. And I know you've got a lot of stuff, so we could perhaps do another one like this with uh, other products in in the future. Um, how much is your sealed iPhone? Uh, <laughs> uh, a lot. A lot of Google, I think, probably. But yeah, um, but it's interesting that these these products um, are dying. People yeah. aren't holding on to them, and uh, yeah, so they're appreciating. But I'm trying to kind of create that. He's trying to build a little museum. Yeah. Build a little museum eventually, you know. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Well, look, thanks for coming on, chaps. Cool. Thank you, David. Thank, thank you. you, Ian. Thank you, Tris. Thanks for getting your perspectives. I uh, would recommend people check out the other episode we did with Tris a few months ago on GPT and uh, DALI and AI and where that's all heading. But thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. And see you all in the next episode. Thank you. Hey, thanks for watching this podcast. Make sure that you like, subscribe, follow, comment, etc., etc. And I'll see you in the next episode.